people have made you know viewership this be all and all thing it's been an interesting thing to see how these platforms have started moving away from the authenticity of the creator or the excitement around the creator and the algorithm that pushes the creator right and that's a trap that i've fallen into myself before Hey, I'm Josh Dillon. So first of all, I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to watch this episode. Before we jump into the next podcast, I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you why we started the CreatorCast. Four years ago, I founded a company with the goal of connecting Africa to the digital economy and the world to Africa. Over time, we realized that this challenge was a lot greater than what we had expected. In order for us to achieve this vision, it required something extremely important, community. It takes a village. That's why we started the CreatorCast, to create a space where we can interview and profile the members of our community and share how they are connecting themselves to the economy and others too. So that's how the CreatorCast became a thing. We made this podcast with the hope of illuminating what is possible for our people and inspiring you to join the African wave yourself. So I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about what this vision is, but I'm gonna tell you at the end of the podcast and I'm gonna let you know how you can get involved too. Until then, let's hop onto the wave. Let's start this journey of elevating Africa. It's a pleasure having you here. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Creator Cast. Today, I've got a special guest for you guys. We've got Abo Boy on the podcast, aka. Yeah. So, just to give a quick background before we hop into the discussion. So, anyone who doesn't really know who Abo is, AKA the visionary started his creative journey, filming short form horror movies on his VLC recorder. <laughs> I'm going to get into in a second. Um, multifaceted creator, director, cinematographer, editor, writer, photographer, co-founded the free fine guys, TFG, a popular YouTube channel that gained significant attention in the university space. Despite all this popularity, Abo uses his platform to continually evolve and refine his craft. He is an advocate for mental health, having created short form content, emphasizing the importance of mental health well-being. Co-founder of Artistic Intent, a production company committed to the importance of authentic South African stories and has also been venturing a little bit into the music space, shooting with the likes of Manana, Will Linley, Sishi, and yeah, a lot of things in the pipeline. How you doing? I'm good, bro. That was impressive, bro. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed. Did you write that down? <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was impressive. Was we that top of the yeah, so I mean, this is what the Creator Cast is about, man. It's about taking people that are in the community and highlighting what they're doing in their space to connect Africa to the digital economy. And that's really what you are doing through all these various different initiatives. That's why I had to have you on this podcast. So thank you for joining. I think as we get into it, I wanted to like start off a little bit about the beginnings because a lot of people might not know this. Abo and I are actually very good friends. We've known each other since, geez, grade zero. Must've been grade zero. Yeah. Shout out to the lines. Nah, and yeah, the, nah, 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 nah. the whales yeah. suck. Now nah, the whales, the whales were 
you guys just hate us because we're the cool kids. But mid. Okay. Oh, crazy. Anyway, let's not get into preschool politics. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I wanted to go back to the beginning, bro. So, deep down in the archives of YouTube, mm. there is certain videos that have never seen the light of day. Mm, mm, and mm, probably never will. Or I don't know. Will, will they at some point? Who knows? But I wanted to start there where the journey began. Because I remember a time when you and I would be sitting in your parents' office on their MacBook, recording various different short form <laughs> horror movies. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We were, I mean, it was the genesis kind of of everything, you know, everything that we were doing, even a friendship, everyone in who was there, you know, other than, I mean, even Azzy, like she was, she's a creator now, you know, a visual creator as well. And in some regards, other than food blogs, you know, she's in that world. She's still a creator, but everyone, that's kind of like the genesis of everything. Like we started off just making videos on webcams with puppets that we found from the, the missionaries that brought them over from America that my parents were friends with. We'd make stupid horror movies. We'd make like, um, I remember because we were, we were really obsessed with the grudge. That was like a big phase that we had. Like we watched all of the grudges, like one, two, and three, like we knew that movie. Um, and I remember when we tried to make, cause one of our films was like a remake, like a redub of the grudge. And it was you, me, Dumisa. I was, I was shooting and it was you, Dumisa and Azzy on, on screen. And it was so bad, like so bad. <laughs> like, like it was, it was, it was horrible, but we were 12, 13 as well, you know, and just getting started, you know, and obviously there's been some exponential growth, um, or oh, more gradual growth, actually 10 years of, 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 you know, making images and trying to do something that means something, you know, whether it's to ourselves, or to other people's led us to become a lot better than we were back then. But that was kind of the start, bro. And, uh, yeah. um, yeah, I remember yeah. When, you, when we got into like YouTube. Do you remember when we were like, let's become YouTubers? That was, that is, I think, what was the real. Uh, okay, now you're jumping the gun here. You're jumping ah, the gun. There's more. Yeah. yeah, no, you're jumping the gun. So, <laughs> like, there's things that you highlighted there. So, the one thing that I love about what you said is, like, it's not exponential growth, it's gradual growth. Yeah. And that's yeah. so important because we live in a day and age where you go online and you see everyone's successes and you see all these things that people are achieving but you don't see what happened behind the scenes. Exactly. So when people see Abba Boy featuring in GQ magazine, they're like, oh, wow, like, this is amazing. How do you do that? And they automatically, the assumption is that it just happened out of nowhere. Where like, no, fast forward 10, 15 years ago, maybe even more, it started there. Yeah. Recording yeah. videos and films on an yeah. iMac for fun as a kid. So there's like, all these various small steps that one has to take along the way. And I think it creates this kind of misconception yeah. when it comes to people achieving things online, which also affects our mental health. We touched a little bit about mental health earlier, which mm -hmm. we'll also get into. But yeah, that was the one thing. The second thing that also came up while you were talking was the idea of like resourcefulness, because we were shooting these films and these videos with like, nothing you you were using like a vlc recorder yeah or this recorder way back when mm. and just to also give people context i mean i tell the story a lot of the time and people ask like how did jd creation start i tell them about the times when we used to shoot like videos for um football 
competitions that we're having between the different grades in our schools. Yeah. Um, like our school used to do this thing when you got into matric or grade 11, you used to participate in the mud fight. And essentially what that was is the matrics and the grade 11s would take huge jumbles to the top field, put them in a heap of mud and then try and get the ball to the other side. Mm. So there was in the assemblies before these events, there was always like this hype up where yeah, the two different like grades, a, like war cries against each other. It was other like a like, weak build up before, before the actual it was thing. A yeah. build up. Yeah. And because we had this like obsession and passion about creating these videos, we would go and like create these like cinematic videos to taunt the other grades. Yeah. And I remember when we did that in grade 11, because those <laughs> metrics that were above us never mm. respected us. They didn't. And then oh, we and played we that video in the assembly. Exactly. We played that a video in the assembly and everyone was standing, like their whole grade was like standing up, like congratulating us for the kind of content that we created. And yeah. that was a point for me personally, because that's when I realized like, the power that content can have to influence people. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. So I wanted to get into that, like coming back to like the whole concept of like limitations and resourcefulness, right? Like as a creator, how has these experiences taught you resourcefulness, like using what you have? Because mm. a lot of, a lot of the time as well, people also say like, oh no, my content isn't good enough because yeah. I don't have this camera or I don't have yeah. that microphone. Yeah, so, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's a it's a complete misconception, and if anything, it's more shown now than than ever. You know, we have these incredible phones with crazy microphones, crazy four K, one twenty, you know, six sixty, thirty, twenty four P settings on them. Like you can make, and I've seen it. Like they've like they've made demos. They've shown how people have made. I myself have made films on you know nothing, and I think it's it's so important to not get caught in the in that loop of the equipment is what makes the person good, and that's something that we really it used to frustrate me a lot, but I realized that people it was it's just people's lack of you know understanding of what goes into it. I like you know people would always be like, oh, you have such a good camera, oh, this is such a nice thing, and it's like as much as there's optical limitations and optical benefits and stylistic things that come from that, like you have to be able to do something beautiful with nothing because that's how you learn to make anything that you make, whether you think it's the most amazing optically or not impactful. So um, growing up, um, I was fortunate that my dad worked on a job where they gave him a camera, um, like a VLC camera to use for a trip he was going to do some work you know, in, in, in Korea for. And so that became my avenue into film because I was so curious about what is this thing? Like, how do I get it? Like, how does it work? And that's how we started shooting our films. But before that, people don't know that we were making films with webcams and not webcams necessarily on the screen. Those ones where you could like take them off and move them. We, would, we made stuff on webcams like that. And I think if you can, there's ways to, to take what you have and optimize it to its, to its furthest you know, level and resourcefulness and that access, I, I saw that it's like, if you understand the tools that you're using, if you understand the world that you're trying to build, then you can take whatever you have and use it to its highest, you know, possible outcome before, you know, and it's, there's like a graph, like the quality goes, 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 and has diminishing returns to scale where 4K is 4K is 4K, you know, 
full frame is full frame is full frame. Like at certain points, like sure, you can suit 18K, you can you know, see a person's soul through their eyes, but like the general public respond more to something that feels impactful than necessarily how clean it looks. There's people who have made things that look incredibly clean, but it just misses that emotional thing. And that's something I think I was grateful to learn because our passion didn't come from this idea of needing the fanciest cameras all the time. There was times when we were like, okay, we need to step this up because we like it. But it was about just making this stuff because we thought it was cool. I remember when the movie Jumper came out um, and we were on these old Nokia, the first like Nokias with the, with the, with the cameras on. This was when we were much older. We started making videos of teleportation because we figured out that you could pause a video while recording and the person could move and continue it. And for us, that was groundbreaking. That was incredible. We made these so many, like me and my siblings would also make all of these films of just like teleportation and stuff. And it looked great because we understood the tools. We knew what we were doing and that it, it that's where the impact came from. So I think it's important to understand that like what you're trying to tell is more important than the lens that it comes through on, you know? And the more and more like we look through our industry now and the more the gap between professional level equipment and consumer level equipment grows smaller, the more we see anything is possible. Like there's a new movie called The Creator. It's made on an FX3, which is a consumer prosumer level camera but one of the biggest cinematographers in the world oscar winning um cinematographer decided to use that camera for this project saved him money and just from what the trailer looks like i was like this is gonna be crazy no one would have noticed that it's not like a fancy area or all, all of this um and i think yeah and i think that's the that's the cool thing about youtube the, because youtube or at least back then it felt so low stakes that it was like we just want to make this to put it on just to have fun, you know? It was really about the about learning how to tell a story and figuring out how to navigate it together and build it and construct it. And I think that was more exciting than this whole social media world that we live in now where it's like about instant gratification and views and everything. Um, but if you can look beyond that and get beyond that and just be like, cool, I'm making this because I wanna, oh, I, this is a cool idea. I would love to try it, attempt it, shoot it on your phone, you know? I would love to try and make this, this idea. I would like to start, you know, doing, um, sit down video, shoot it on your webcam. You know, there's, there's, there's so much that we have now, so much access that we're growing to have now. And I know a lot of people don't have access, but for the most part, everybody has a cell phone and everybody has internet and learning and developing your skills is becoming easier and easier to access. I must say, like, touching on the whole, like, learning thing, bro, because mm. when one thing that you mentioned now is like, you mentioned like YouTube being the sandbox. You can just try everything. You can build sandcastles, knock them over and see what works, what doesn't work without any like kind of repercussions, you know? I love that, that, that term sandbox. Cause that's exactly what it was, you know, just building exactly. whatever it is and just knocking it down. If it's good, or if it's not good, you know? Yeah. And then the waves come and knock it out. And now you mm -hmm. have a blank canvas to start again. Yeah. But I love that. I also love the idea of a box because you mentioned now, like, through mastering your different tools, you learn different techniques. And mm. what I love about the idea of a box is if you have limitations, that's what forces you to be creative. Think that's what forces you to be innovative. And mm. through that process of being creative and innovative, you are improving your skills and you find magic. Like, yeah. do you know how many times I put together an edit? And like, I'm not even like doing it consciously. I'm just chopping up things. 
and I just put things together, just thoughts, just to start, just as a starting point. Yeah. And when I popped it up, I put it together and it's, it looks so dope. And I'm like, I didn't even like try and engineer this. It just yeah. happened. And that, the reason why is because it's just that natural instinct is there's no pressure involved. There's no overthinking about it. Yeah. It's figuring out what you have and trying to f- make it work, whatever you're trying to achieve within the limitations. Yeah. And that's yeah. what but i but i think also we it, it is like a testimony to like what we were speaking about earlier about time and progression because you are a great editor and that's only because you've spent years editing fashion films editing commercials editing small videos editing content content pieces that you wanted um, and all of that has led you to this point where your the instinct that you have regardless of the input means that the product that comes out at least as a bare minimum is good you know and that's where i think the importance of gradual growth and this process of continual learning comes in because like then you get to a point where your natural instinct without even knowing it is that your mind is has defaults that has been set up from an idea of understanding that okay cool if it starts like this then what i probably want is this this and this and what i'm hoping to get in the end is that you know and then it turns out without you necessarily having to be conscious about it but i think that takes so much practice and a lot of commitments that a lot of people don't often you know, I wouldn't say see, but like take, take seriously or because it's, 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 yeah, it's also, it's difficult. It's difficult mm. to keep up because even though someone might have acquired that skill, right, you got to still practice it. And like you mentioned with the whole social media situation, and this is coming into the mental health discussion, yeah. it's social media landscape has changed. So back okay. in the day. YouTube was about having fun. It was about learning. It was about figuring out, developing your skills. Yeah. Just, yeah. That's what it was about. And there was something beautiful about that. And through that experience, there were certain things that happened. Like TFG was an example of that. It's like mm-hmm. lightning that's caught in a bottle. And what I love about is the internet and the digital space is like, this is another thing that I always share about my journey. Like when, way back when, when I started, I don't know if you remember Jason, one of my best friends in school, um, him and I, we used to go to his house and we used to like shoot eggs and we used to take pictures of the eggs, capturing the moment when it exploded. Yeah. That was crazy to me because mm. what that represented was capturing a split second in time where if you were watching that and you just blinked at the wrong time, you would have missed it. Yeah. But because we caught it the moment that the egg exploded, it was a split second in time that can last infinitely. I've still got those pictures somewhere on Facebook or somewhere those pictures, I can find them. And that split second exists infinitely. Mm. So that idea of like how you can capture moments in time is like capturing lightning in a bottle. And I feel like that's what TFG was. It was about having fun. It was about growing. But now Mm. as things have progressed, you know, social media has changed so much. Mm -hmm. The commercial Mm -hmm. element is a huge part of it. People are creating because they want to grow their business. So they want to like commercialize something. But then also there's that thing that we were touching about earlier where it's like it kind of distorts people's expectation of reality because mm. we are living simultaneously in this reality world and we're living simultaneously in this digital world. But those two things don't match up because this digital world is extremely filtered in the sense where people are just sharing the positive aspects of their life mm. and you don't really mm. see the behind the scenes. Yeah, And that's where a lot of mental health issues come into the picture. So I wanted to ask you, like, these mental health issues, how have they kind of influenced your work? And 
I know that you did a short film about that. So I wanted to see what the message was behind that and how mental health influences your creativity and your work. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I think it's multifaceted. So to start it off, looking at what social media was then and social media is now, it feels like there's a massive amount of pressure on what it is now than back then. So back then, me starting a YouTube um, page that was horrible, that had really cheesy jokes and bad skits, it was less embarrassing because less people were seeing it necessarily and because our cognitive dissonance was that we have less care about what people thought. I was like, I don't care, you know. It's like 40 people who are watching. Half of them go to my school. The other half are just bots or whatever. And it's fine because I don't care about that, you know. But as time progresses and, and things social media becomes more in, impactful and influential, the, the space to practice feels like it's, it, it fades away. And that's double faceted because of the way people experience things and because of the way people who make the art experience other people's you know, relationships with, with social media and whatever. So for example, back then I could make a video that was dumb and drop it on Twitter and maybe nothing would happen, but it would be fine. These days you see something like that, especially in a space like Twitter. I personally, that I don't connect with it on a social, just because it, it, it's not good for my mind because it's just a, a space where people, you know, openly and irresponsibly, I believe, air out their own personal internalized situations. But also I've seen a lot of people being discouraged from creating because of this whole perspective that comes in where it's like, Oh, what are you doing? Oh, you're doing this. Oh no, that's trash. Oh no, that's this, that's that, you know? And there's, a, there's, it's hard to admit it, but there's a bigger, like people have become more liberal with what they say to people, regardless of the scale that they're at. You know, I've seen young creatives who are inspired by other creators get bullied by those, ins the inspired fan base for making something that's too similar to what they're making because clout is this resource and if anybody's trying to do something that you're doing you're infringing almost on an, an intimate personal business aspect of them you know whether it's like that or not fans often depending on the fans or depending on how people militarize their fans can become that you know and people have made you know viewership this be all and all thing so it becomes so difficult for a young creator to be like i want to just do this and put it on youtube because then they'll feel like oh i only got 100 views I'm not good enough. That means that my my content is not good enough, and it's 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 been it's been an interesting thing to see how these platforms have started moving away from the authenticity of the creator or the excitement around the creator and the algorithm that pushes the creator. Right. So I've seen guys that make some of the most incredible content that I'm like, you should be getting paid to make this. Right. You should be getting paid to make this with minimal views. Right. Then you see somebody who is maybe arguably less intentional or it takes less time to make that content, but they can post every day and they will be exponentially further on than that. And so this idea, it's, it's this whole perpetuation that comes in that social media platforms have created where the algorithm pushes people to a specific, to a specific intensity of posting and says that if you don't post that much, you're not going to be discovered. And then our own social media that's populated, it po um, creates this perspective where if I don't get this many views, then I'm not good enough. So you can find yourself in this weird gray area where your output and your input is so high, but your returns are so low that it completely discourages or returns so low that it completely discourages creatives. 
And that's a trap that I've fallen into myself before. Certainly, like, I've had situations now. I think as, you know, I've continued to make content and create things and my content to be seen by a wider platform of people, it feels like there's an innate pressure that comes with that where it's like, I can't even mess up. And what is messing up, you know? Sometimes it's not even... Like, what is messing up in the creative space? I make what I want to make. Unless it's badly edited or something, there's an audio something, you can consider that a mess up. But, like, truly, if you have all of your ducks in a row as a fundamental a mess up, it's difficult to say just do it now because I understand we can't be ignorant of the pressures that come with social media that are there. We can't, you can say, don't think about it, don't do this, don't do that. But at the end of the day, those pressures in the expansion of social media are there. Now what a challenge that comes with being a creator is not only must you experiment with something, you need to be confident enough with your experimentation to, if it gets 50 views, it gets 50 views and that's it. You know, you have to be confident enough with how, what you're posting that, okay, this is something I believe in. This is something I think is going, is, is, is good. And this is something I want to show some people. And it's really just trying to unlearn the idea of, I really want a lot of people to see it because, and it's hard though, because it's like, as creators, you, unfortunately, our business needs eyes. You get money, you get to live a living. The more people see, the more people engage, the more people connect. So it's a really hard to have all of these elements just like being thrown at you. And as a young creative, you're like, I don't have the camera to do this. I don't think I'm good enough. I can't post every day. Uh, when I do post every day, I get 50 views. I'm just, you know, it's just this huge pool of just the social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter world that's just made it. And, and it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's both made it easier and more difficult for creatives. Easier where it, because of the fact that we have good cameras with good mics and whatever, you can make something cool that a lot of people can like if you can commit to it. But the difficult part is that if something, if the thing that you want to make isn't something you can just make any day, it becomes hard because then you're fighting the algorithm against that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's like making a beat quickly, you know, if you can make 10 of them, but if you're a music composer, you need a 12-piece you know, orchestra to, to, to make this happen. It's two different worlds. It doesn't make any less valid, but it does make it more difficult in the world of social media for the person whose art is, takes more time to curate. And that's just the reality of it. And I think we're in a beautiful space where it gives us the ability to work around how, you know, how we represent that, you know, and that's something I've had to learn that it's like, it's not just about, you know, the views that I get. It's like, I can't be naive about the fact that the algorithm is there. Right. So I know that I need to stimulate it in certain ways to get the result that I want. But I am also aware that my response or how I get responded to isn't an, a reflection of my creativity or my art. And sometimes some things are just more mainstream than others. Sometimes they're not. That's the reality of the world. Finding a niche is very hard. Being a creative is very difficult. And finding people that believe in you is what is the most important. Not finding thousands of people that, you know, I mean, if they're thousands, it's great. But I think learning that sometimes making something that even just affects one person is is good enough. You know, sometimes making something that just affects you is good enough. Like with that, that's, I made a, a film about a mental health I was going through. <coughs> Excuse me. I was, it was like almost the first time I was experiencing depression in university. And I had all of these thoughts that had built up and everything. And I was like, you know what? Somebody must feel like this as well. Let me make this 
because it's going to help get it off my chest. It also will give me a, an avenue to channel my creativity in also processing my creativity. I mean, processing my situation and my mental health on it, you know. And I thought it, it, helped, it helped in that in the sense of being able to make it. I put it out and I was like, cool. I'm, help, I'm grateful for that experience because, you know, it helped me to be able to know how I like to express my own personal self as an artist in the stuff that I make. So I think it's, 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 I always acknowledge that it's, there's a lot more of a mental fortitude that you need these days to be a creative. There's much more of uh, almost a blunt force persistence that comes with operating as a creative these days. And it's something that I'm learning. It's something that I think everyone needs to learn that consistency at the end of the day and commitment to what your consistency is, is the most important. If consistency to you looks like you post a video once every six months, but you've written a script a week or you've, or you've edited three videos a week, you know, for another project or you worked on this, that and the other, that's, that's what's important. You know, knowing that you're doing the hard work because all these 10, I know, like I've seen it now. It's like all of these years of like me being bad at, at making things has made me better at certain things than somebody that who, who might have caught it, you know, just like that. I've had to go through like the most dreadful eras where it's like the project's completely done. You spend three hours, it's deleted. You didn't record. Oh, this happened. That was the best take. You didn't record that. The files got corrupted. You know, I have, you have to go through all of that to know Okay, sharp. I shoot coverage on this. I shoot, 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 shoot. Save. Da, 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 da. Double back up on the back end. Save it in the cloud. This, this, this. Get it to this, but you know. And that's all important in the steps of being a creative. I think it's important for young. Something for me, I speak about very openly with anyone. It's important for young creatives to not look at other creatives as competition, because the moment that you do. You compare everything that you make to them and you don't know how much time they've spent on this. You might have just started two years ago. This person, just like you and I, might have been making films since they were 12. You know, it's a, there's, it's a different world. And, and understanding that that comparison, if it's not inspiring you to make better or to try different things, is a negative thing, is something that I've had to deal with, you know. Like, personally, for me, it's something I, like... I watch like my heroes. I watch Denis Villeneuve, you know, Ava DuVernay, Christopher Nolan make these films. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Why can't I do that? I feel so bad about myself. I'm like, yo, Inception was so safe. Like, how come I can't make that? Then I'm like, this guy's been making films for 30 years. For longer than you've been alive for, you know. You've started like five years ago. This person's been doing this for five years more than your age is currently. You know, mm. and it's so hard to keep that perspective when you look at other people who are making what they're making. So I think it's realizing that everyone's on their own journey. Everyone does things that that helps them in their career and how they learn and how somebody else learns and where they learn. It's none of your business to be comparing yourself to that. All it is 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 saying, cool, you know, oh, you know, the guys in South Africa are really like doing some cool stuff. I would love to be in the conversation with that. I would love to step up my game as well to, to a level where I feel like it can compete. I would love to make something that I watch back and I'm impacted by. And that's enough, you know. And there's technical stuff, of course, cool, there's specs, this, that, and the other. But I think ultimately, if you can look past the numbers and realize that like, the 10,000 hours and more 
is where, is where the journey is, then that's where you sort of start to find, you know, bliss in it. Um, that's kind of been my journey and it's up and down and there's always comparison. That's just how art is. But I think learning to look at people as an inspiration and being like, I, I really appreciate how intentional you were with that specific aspect of your creativity. I would love to be more intentional in that way. Oh, I'd love to do this musically in that way. That is much better mindset than to look at the views and be like, oh, mm. I'm not good. Oh, this is not good and enough. I did this. You did that. Yeah. With that mentality, it's kind of, we were actually in a team meeting before that and we were talking about authenticity. And that's when you have that mentality, you're creating from a place of authenticity, who you are, mm. where you are now and what you're trying to express or whatever goal you're trying to achieve through what you're creating. And I mm. think that's what makes work so much powerful. You're speaking about that like secret source that makes people feel something. Mm. People connect with people. So if you're going to be authentically you, who you mm. are, people are going to find it so much easier to connect with that because it's mm. an expression of you as an individual and people connect with people that's where social media comes from social socializing with other individuals and people so i think that authenticity element is so critical and i think what happens a lot of the time is like because things have become so commercialized i mean we were talking about the algorithms right i think a real potent question to think about is are we controlling the algorithms or are the algorithms controlling us because what's happened now is we have all of this content and creative expression being tied into this commercial side of things. Why? Because we're living in this digital economy that's driven by attention. The more attention that you have on your work, the more money you're going to make. And therefore now the algorithms are optimized to keep people's attention in, which is dictating how people create and what they create. Mm. And you have a lot of people that are trying to ride that wave and not be authentically themselves. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle when they're trying to be something that they're not in order to ride this wave for commercial reason. But then on the flip side of the coin, you have to be able to eat. You have to be able to pay your rent exactly. at the end of the day. And if you're creative, you need to figure out a way to monetize the stuff that you're creating. So I wanted to ask you mm. as the next question, like how do you, keep on going from a commercial side of things. I know that you've got um, artistic intent, which we can also touch on a little bit. Um, mm. You'd be working on various different projects. A lot of them are in the music space. How do you find that balance between being authentically you and creating things that mean something to you, but at the same time can be commercially viable so that you can continue doing this as a career? It just cut out there. Sorry. Authentically you, that means something to you. Sorry, I just, it just cut for me that time. Yeah. So I was asking, how do you find a way to be authentically you and work on things that mean something to you, but at the same time, making it commercially viable so that you can continue doing this? Because you also mentioned like the key is consistency. You can't be consistent if you're just creating without generating any sort of income. So how do you find the balance between those two things? It's tricky, bro. It's, 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 it's a constant duality because um, it's almost like a swinging pendulum, right? And I kind of look at it in that, in that sense where it's like, I understand that there's certain things that I need to do in order to survive, right? 
And so I allocate, uh, 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 I almost compartmentalize a part of my brain to be like, okay, cool. I have to do this. I have to engage in this way in certain ways because it's business. You know, I have, I have this mentality that like, because it's, it's, you can't just ignore it, you know? So I have like this thing where I say to myself, if it's hard, you just have to look at it and just say, it's just business and you just move on with it. So it's finding this balance where it's like these elements that almost finance what I make, the more commercial aspects of it, the things that I find a bit more difficult because they, they're challenging in different ways and in different, in different ways, I mean, in different extents, you know, whether it's creative limitation, where it's just slapstick shooting this just because this person wants an AB symbol, just like that. Um, or it's um, an intensity thing where it's like, okay, cool, I need to shoot this, you spend this day shooting TikToks with Sishi because it's important for what we're building up to, you know? And so I'll compartmentalize that part of, 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 of my energy to that. But the essential part is doing the things that feed my creativity and keep me afloat emotionally and career wise that sometimes do pay, sometimes don't pay. Right. I'm in a privileged position where I can work. I, I partnered with artists early on in their careers before anything happened, which, when, which was great for me because it gave me a, a playground to, to work on telling stories, expressing people's stories in a way through me, um, through music videos, through content pieces with artists who I really believe in from four years, five ago, years. You know, I started working with Manana many years ago. Me and Sishi had been friends for eight years. Um, Will and I started working three years ago together, you know, and they were on the come up. And because of my belief in them and because of um, partnering with them, I've been able to grow as they grow in their careers too. So signing bigger deals, you know, working with bigger artists that they work with, you know, bigger social capital. And that has led to it being almost a financially stable, stable world not stable but a world that does feed me financially which is almost like the the culmination of what i love to do and not having to sacrifice doing anything that i don't love to do you know what i mean so i've been very fortunate with that um, and i think it's important to partner with your creative friends of different roles especially as somebody who's behind the camera because if you if if you trust them enough and you work hard enough together when they go up because of the things that you're working on with them, you're going up with them, you know, and it's, it's this collaborative upliftment of, of the careers in different staggering levels. And that's been something that, that's been really exciting for me to do. Um, and then on the side, I work on, you know, like writing short films, writing my feature films, doing, doing the things that I, I really, really, really am on fire about currently, but I'm not getting paid at all for, you know, stuff that I'm thinking about for the future. So mm -hmm. I think the beautiful thing about that I found myself in my career about music is that the music, because my process is so informed by, by music the, and the artists that I worked with, I trust, they trust me so much and I trust them so much. We've been able to grow to this place where we're like, cool, we know we have to do like some stupid, like, you know, social media, TikTok stuff, what, what's, but we know that also we're building up to this to this short film or to this music video or to this thing where it's like this is going to be crazy we can express it however we want we can go balls to the walls and and make something that's really sick and that's exciting because then it's this thing of like okay cool i know that this one shoot is going to be just a you know just for the algorithm this shoot is going to be because i want we want to make this and express it in this certain way and that's been really exciting and a real you know understanding of the dualities and the playgrounds that come with um 
understanding that mentality of some things are just for business and other things are purely because they're creative, you know. And in a perfect world, I would love to be, you know, and that's 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 what artistic intent is, you know. We we want to tell stories the way that that Africans tell stories, that South Africans, our own stories, what we see the future to be, what we want um, our industry to look like, reflections on our past, you know, projections on our future, things like African sci-fi, like all of the stuff that I'm really like passionate about. Um, and music videos have given me an avenue into that. I would love for my, you know, for my, for the career to be like making films, shooting films, shooting commercials for business because that's just business and working with these incredible artists and expressing their creativity the way that they do, you know, and if you could get paid for all three of those things, it's amazing. But the reality is you need one thing in your whole process that's purely just for business. And it's understanding that I don't necessarily like this. It's not necessarily the easiest thing, but because I want, because I think it's important for me to have the facilities financially to be able to survive so I can work on the music videos, the storytelling, the, the films that I'm passionate about. I have to do this, you know, and once, and that's the thing about growing up. It's like understanding that certain things you just have to do because it's part of business and it's taking, it's, it's trying your best to take away yourself from that part of it and not internalize what those business elements are to who you are as a creative, you know, and that's a hard mentality because what we do is emotional and connected and like, it's a, it's a part of yourself. Even if it's something basic, it still feels personal. So when people don't like it, it feels like they don't like you. But knowing that what I'm building towards is for me and what I'm using this for is to feed that is the mentality that I think is important. And like, I would love to shoot commercials, like big time commercials, like all the time. That would be great. But from my experience on working on them, I know that it's not the creative it doesn't, I don't have the creative, maybe in my social capital now, maybe people don't trust me enough to like go fully with what I'm thinking, but I don't have the creative license for it. So you do this, you give the client what they want. You make it as beautiful as you can. You make it as much on your voices. They'll let you because it's their money. It's their clients, their job, you know, and you get that job done so that you can spend your time writing and working and doing and shooting these and making these fashion films that in, a, in, in the future, we're hoping as an investment to something bigger or two financial gains and whatever, although that's not the mentality. Like it's, it's knowing that that thing that you're passionate about, if you're, if the business is good and if you're making good business decisions, then you can make that further down in the line an income and a, a sustainable, you know, source of income. And I think the thing I'm most passionate about art, artistic intent is creating an environment where young filmmakers, writers, directors, DOPs, creators can find a place to do that. You know, it's so hard to find jobs. It's so hard to know how to be on set, you know. And I have this thing where, like, every set that I'm on, I bring on an assistant from Instagram or from my DMs. I was like, yo, I would love to come through. You know, I have a portal where people can sign up. And when I have a project, I send an email with a link, first two people to sign up, come through and help. You know, it just gives people the opportunity. And the dream is to be working on multiple projects where Young filmmakers can be, uh, I'm producing this one, but this filmmaker, this writer needs this director, this, this, you know, facilitating these, this world where we can actually, you know, tell stories that we don't feel are one dimensional, that are whatever we want to make it to be. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting, it's a daunting, you know, world, but I think if, 
coming back to it, there has to be a brute force mentality to your mental health as well. So you have to be like taking care of yourself. You have to reinforce to yourself that the reflections of this don't affect you personally. Like it's not me. It doesn't make me a bad content creator if I don't get a thousand, ten thousand views on this video. You know, it's just understanding what the world is, doing the things that feed your soul, feed your heart, doing the things that feed your business and using them to continue to like lift everything up, you know, and that's that's the way I, 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 I it's worked for me. I've been fortunate. Um, I have an incredible um, brother who's a musician. So he tries to put me on it. I mean, a producer. So he puts me on as many things as he can, you know, and we have like a little bit of a nepotism alliance. Anything I can put him on to, I do the same thing too, um, which is great for growth, you know, of our own bubbles and our own communities. And if we if we can like trust each other as as a community, if you can have your friends creatives internet friends that you can trust and know that like cool this person is invested in my career so i can do some stuff for free with them we can just do stuff to do it and i know i can trust them that when the money comes in for certain things that they'll be like cool it's time let's do this properly you know um and i'm yeah that's i think an intentional selection thing but i think yeah just understanding those bubbles and how to balance them is the way that i see it yeah, a lot of what I'm getting is centered around purpose. So mm. at the end of the day with the commercial side of things, you have to put bread on the table, you have to eat. And in order to do that, you have to make money. So a lot of people struggle to do those things that they don't want to do. But once you have that sense of purpose of why you are doing this, why am I waking up at 6 a.m. in the morning to go shoot a chamomile session on North Cliff Hill? <laughs> I'm doing that because there's a bigger vision in mind. Yeah. And yeah. in order to have that, you need to be able to believe in what is possible. And I think that's something that a lot of young people struggle with is they don't believe that it's possible. It's, they don't believe mm -hmm. that it's possible to achieve these huge productions and to work on these sets and to actually be able to financially sustain yourself. Because in South Africa specifically, we have this unemployment issue, right? Where mm -hmm. even just getting a normal basic job is already seeming a bit impossible. Yeah, so now exactly. we're not even thinking about that bigger picture. And I think that's why it's important that we have these conversations because personally, like I'm, I feel so much more inspired hearing it from you because as you speaking about it, it's awakening this thing in me where I'm like, flip, why am I doing these things? Because I think for me personally, I've gone a little bit more the commercial side of things, mm -hmm. right? So I've put a lot more focus on the commercial side. And I think a part of that has resulted in this like sort of um, mismatch where I'm not doing the things that light my soul up. I'm focusing mm. more on the commercial side. And how am I able to do that? How am I able to like consistently do that for the last like five, four years, however long it's been, is through purpose. So purpose is a very like powerful thing that I think, that I hope can be imparted onto anyone listening to this, because if you can figure out that purpose, where you're trying to go and you can envision yourself achieving these amazing things, the smaller mm -hmm. mundane things that are difficult to do become a lot more easier to do because you understand why you are doing it and you're mm -hmm. able to persist through it. And that's the one thing that I got from what you're saying. The second thing I also wanted to ask you about was social capital. You mentioned social capital a lot of the time. What is social capital? I mean, so social capital is, it's, it's basically, I mean, to put it in, in one word, it's clout, you know, um, it's people knowing 
who <laughs> it's people knowing um a specific person it's and it's not even necessarily fame it's it's you know a person who is known in who's known within a circle wherever the whatever that circle is um and social capital is not necessarily the like using social capital is not necessarily finding the most famous person um but it's partnering with people or at least the way that i perceive it or that i express it is partnering with people in something that benefits the project and the person who has the social capital um in in the situation so like if somebody for example complete you know no different example somebody like um Oh, let me just use a personal example, which is perfect. Like Sishi and I, when we started like becoming friends, there was no social capital between us other than the fact that he knew a lot of people from Durban. I knew a lot of people from Joburg. And so that's how our social capital was used in that, in, in that, in that world, because our connections started crossing and this and that started happening. And now because of the relationship that we have, and because he's become extremely famous in South Africa, he has a lot more social capital, right? And so that social cap capital that he has makes people more excited about a project, more excited about a specific thing. So because he trusts me and he and him and I work together on so many things, he'll in, do things just, just to do them with me because it's a challenge, because he believes in me, but because, but also we understand that he is famous and eyes are gonna get, you know, are, are gonna see this. Um, and if there's a specific message or specific thing that we want to build towards using that as a platform is, you know, great. Like for, for example, his music, he is known for being an actor, but because he's so well known and for being an actor, we leverage his social capital of all these people that want to know what he's doing to encourage him to, um, to encourage them to listen to his music. So it's it's leveraging those connections and all of those things. And like, for example, like even something that's not so big as fame, it's like a person like my friend Temba. Temba knows everyone, like people love him. He's not famous, but famous people love him. Like he knows a lot of people. And so he uses his social capital, people enjoying his presence, people loving his energy as a means to to bring people onto things for his own work. Like now he started a podcast. So he's like, oh guys, I know all you guys. Would you guys like to join our podcast? It would be great. And we're like, yeah, we love you. You're a great person. Yes. You know, and so he leveraged his social capital to do that. Now he's getting big names on the, sh on the podcast. They're doing, you know, really interesting things because of that social capital leveraging. I think it's hard because it's, it's, clout is such an interesting thing, especially being in Joburg. It's such a thing, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, this person, that person. Okay. Oh, you don't know this person. Oh, I don't know you, yeah. you know, but I think it's understanding it in a business world because it's for business that in a marketing context, having somebody with a bigger name helps a project, but also providing, but for me, it's important to provide that person with enough, so much value that them doing this isn't a favor to you. You know, they're also like, I'm, I want to be a part of this and that's hard, but I think it's also important to just trust in your friends and work with the people that you care about because all of the people that I've named now were all friends of mine who have, well, we, would, we just loved each other just because we, we loved each other. That was it, you know? Sishi became famous before this. Timba started getting known, you know, after we became friends. Sishi became famous after this, you know? Alex, a friend of mine, he's a model, started doing big campaigns after we were friends, you know? All of these things 
came from a place where it's like we believe in you we want to be part of your world and however we you know however we can we can help and Sishi's big audition for the show that he was on was shot at our apartment because he needed somebody to help him shoot i think my brother was staying there for for a bit and they shot it together and that was that and that was a huge turning moment but i don't think anybody went into it with the idea of social capital in mind saying i want to be friends with this person because they're they're famous or they have clout that's completely the wrong way to go about it i think believing in the people that you believe in connecting with people who you you think is somebody that is important and somebody that can bring value to you that's where you really get your own sense of like building your own social capital because then this guy needs a short film to be shot this guy needs a music video virgin needs a beat to be made or some writing you know this guy and now we're working together as friends to make something that hopefully impacts people and when it does it's just like great amazing and we'll continue to partner with our friends because we love our friends and not because of anything other than the fact that we're just boys and we believe in each other and that's why i think with hand in hand even heavier than social capital is community and that's something i think that you as create entrepreneur and the podcast and everything is so um so deliberate about which i think is very important and i think what you speak about the fact the importance of building a community connecting with people making authentic content that makes people feel something whether it's 10,000 or 1,000 or 10 i think is extremely important and i think ultimately all of it is 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 commitment to creating things that are as impactful and as exciting as to you as possible that means working with people that you really enjoy reaching out to people who don't know you you know trying to make something different making films with your with your best friends and after on fridays after school you know all of that stuff is extremely vital because the community the community around you that build you are extremely important in this journey and you know you and i our friendship i've always valued that because you've always known how to how to how to build and encourage in a way that's very forward thinking very much like very direct like i believe in your dreams i believe in your goals how can we work together to make that like and having a person like you having people who are willing to just hey i'd love to assist on whatever you're shooting hey i would love to drive out with you to durban to to shoot a a fashion film having people like that is so important because that's how you get to where you want to be and i think i think outside of clouds outside of all of this other stuff that i think that's above all the most important thing to leverage making sure that the people around you who you love who care about your dreams are invested and you're working together to build each other's dreams so that when the wall comes up then you know oh, we killed it we did this together and yeah i think that's extremely important yeah it's a recurring theme that comes up on this podcast man is the concept of collaboration over competition Mm. and it's so important because i mean the vision of jd creations is to uplift africa in the global space in order for us to uplift an entire continent we need to work together but because of the past and the history that we have of limited resources it becomes a competition thing but mm. once you move past that and you start to see the benefits of collaboration you start to see the power that we have when we actually work together instead mm. of comparing the work that you're doing to someone else and what they're doing it's how do we incorporate these things together to make it even more powerful even more impactful 
And I think that mentality is essential. And I'm glad that it's this conversation of social impact and social, um, what you call a social currency has come back to this because mm-hmm. it really feeds into the, the vision and the mission of a company or organization like JD Creations, but also an organization like Artistic Intent and mm-hmm. uplifting the African content, telling African stories. And I think that's so important as well. Like earlier you mentioned about how we want to tell or you want to tell South African stories and in different contexts as well. Like I've never heard of an African sci-fi before, but I would love to see one because it's never been done before. It's at the forefront of something new. And I think that's also essential because if you look at a lot of the kind of stuff that's being put out there, whether it be from like different brands or whether it be like films and television, a lot of it's recycled. I mean, how many Avengers films have we seen now? How many, like we have Barbie, Barbie is the one that's coming up now. And it's like, Barbie has got, how much like series has been made on Barbie? How many Mm. films have been made on Barbie? You know, so it's about new authentic stories. And that's really where us as Africans have an opportunity because these, there's so many stories that are within Africa that haven't been told that the world has never seen before. And Mm. that's, ultimately where I believe our opportunity lies. So talking about like, we've, we touched a bit on film and we also touched a bit on, um, on music, but I wanted to ask you, maybe I see we're running out of time here, but in terms of like music and film, where do these things connect for you? How do they synergize together? Oh. You, also mentioned this. you mentioned that your workflow is based really strongly on music in your film mm. career. So how do yeah. those two things mix? Great question. I love this question. This guy's good, man. This guy's good. <laughs> um, yo, bro, music is so important to me. I grew up in a very musical household. Um, we'd sing worship songs all the time. You know, my parents taught me how to harmonize that, that way. Um, just like most black kids learn by singing church songs. You know, I started playing in my church band. That's how music really influenced me um, a lot. Um, but I find there's such an intertwined connection with the music and the emotional experience an image can have that is so, for me, so impactful. And because of the way that my mind works, when I hear a song, when I hear a melody, when I, and because of my background, my musical background and such, when I hear a song and a melody, I immediately get an image to it, right? So there's also a vice versa, an antithesis that comes to that, where it's like when I, when I see an image, I know the exact kind of song that fits with this. It almost, it's almost this environmental sort of bubble that, that, that I create in my mind that, or that has created itself in my mind because of these two influences. And so working with, um, with music all the time has really influenced how, how I see things, how I experience things. Music is a day is, is an essential thing to me just in the day. I listen to so much music. I get so inspired by it. I learn music as well. Um, I've started learning producing. You're teaching me how to DJ. You know, it's such an important part to my, to my creativity because I feel it's so expressive in ways that I feel are complementary to, to images. So, for example, something like a music video, the first thing I'll do is listen to the song and I'll start to see the colors, right, in my mind. That's the first thing I see. I see the colors, I see the tones, then I start to see a world building around that, naturally just from the storytelling that comes from the writer's process, right? And 
then I get, I'm like, okay, cool. It feels like this. It gets that, you know, I write it all down and then I get the artist's expression. It's like, what do they, what did they feel when they were writing this? And it's also interesting working with artists where they're musically, they don't, they don't see in images. So I'll be like, what do you see when you see this? They're like, ah, that's interesting. I never thought of that. You know, some, some of them, you know, others are very visual, very image based, but like a question, like what kind of colors do you see when you listen to this song? Is I found I found a question that some people can't answer, and I was like, "That's interesting that my mind sees music in colors, you know." And it's not like that with everybody, but if you take enough time to think about it and to feel it, you can, you know, see that. And I think that's always the starting point of my process, where I'm like, "Does this feel like blue? Does this feel like red? Does this feel like teal?" Um, as mundane as it might sound, but it really helps inform, connect with those things because I feel like I've spent enough time finding associations from colors to music. And I think that comes from the environments that when the things around us, everyone feels, you know, like the color red is sexy, you know, the color black is dark, white is bright, blue is sad, you know, these notions, but I see them a little bit more detailed and a little bit more nuanced. And so doing something like a music video then is exciting because then I'm like, I already see the color palette that this is going to be on. Now we get it populated with the world that we want to build for that. Um, so like with Will, I'm like, cool, we want it to be happy. So we know we want sunlight. If we want something that's still blue, then we should go to the ocean. We make it something beach-like, you know, we get a blue car, you know, and that starts to become something that we build into the, into the creating it. Like for his music video, Miss Me, which um, I still, I love that video. It was such a big experience in my journey, but it was one of the first major productions that I, I had worked on. And doing that process with Will really is how our relationship started because he it, it it almost felt like teaching him how to express those more visual aspects of how his music is exp internalized kinds of things and now he's become very you know very good at that and um that's also just his own journey as an artist being more expressive understanding more what he's what an, an artist is you know when it's not just the music it's the brand it's the experience it's the aesthetic you know and that was something that we had to grow through to, together, you know, same with Manana, same with Sishi. Um, you know, Sishi's a bit different because he's an actor. And I, that's one thing I appreciate with working with Sishi because when it comes to music and music videos, he's so good at continuity. He's so good at checking his own performance, knowing what he's doing physically and understanding concepts visually as well, that our synergy is, 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 is pretty instantaneous. And that's something that came from our friendship of being people that love music, people that love film, and that being like the center of the, the things that drive us. Um, so that's what really excites me about, about things like that. Um, when it comes to brand, in a brand perspective, it's much more different because there's obviously brand identities that come to that. But the way then that would work for me is that if a brand has a specific identity that I feel aesthetically has a specific sound to it, you'll look for a song that matches that and then start building up and around that like um i did a, a commercial with kfc and the first person i thought of was yolophonic and i like he's an incredible producer but he makes the kind of swingy bouncy beats that i feel like match the brand ethos and the colors that i see from this and he killed it he made us a song for it and it was incredible so um yeah i think i think when it comes to my own work like like scripts and and writing stories writing feature film film scripts that i'm taking to pitch music is such an important thing. Um, I've, I mean, I've spent m most of my life learning the piano. I'm not technically, technically good at it, but I understand it very well. So I know how to make specific soundscapes. And what I've found helps me is writing an idea, writing a concept, then going to 
or a piano and writing something that feels like the world that I'm trying to build, you know, and that just sort of informs this world that I'm, that I'm creating. It's, it's almost like music. Music is like the, is, is like the boundaries of the, it's like the surface of the world, you know, before anything inside, before the cause or anything gets populated, it's almost like this boundary that like gets drawn and gets set out and like holds everything within it. And you're like, okay, cool. This fits within this boundary. This works within this world that we're trying to build. And I've really gotten passionate about, about making songs, making um, particularly scores. And what I do is I'll write a progression, play it on loop during the day, whenever I'm thinking of it or when I'm writing and it will inform emotionally how I write that scene. So if it's something specifically sad, um, there's something that I've written for that. And it's very specific to the thing that I'm writing. It's not like a general sad progression. It's like, this is for this thing that I'm writing. If it ever gets made, the composer, who will be my brother, will use this as the baseline of, of, of the score for it because this is what informed the, the emotional tone of it. And because of how nuanced and so like emotional music is, is that there's like levels. You can have like heavy, mild, mild, soft, soft, light, light. You know, there's different, there's different worlds that you can build into it and different intensities that can also affect how the experience comes along because that's just how film is. So... I think it's an extremely important part of this process now that I'm working on when, when going into the world of narrative and feature film creation, where I'm finding it so, such, such a, like an emotionally validating feeling of writing a piece of music, not for anyone else, but myself, and then writing a scene and being able to just play those two things side by side and see the world completely. I think because of how visual my mind is, if I can see every part of it, if I can see every detail of it, then I know that, that this is an idea that is burning them out, that I'm confident about because I can see the world starting to build. And that's been an exciting part of, of musical journey. And I guess the, the combination of my different creativity, because then, you know, sometimes it feels, it's hard to, to have the thing that you love, the thing that you used to do for fun, for intrinsic excitement, intrinsic value being the thing that you do for money and the thing that causes you stress now a lot of the time. So yeah. having music as this sort of like parallel that feeds into it, feeds into this excitement of these projects, but isn't the project itself. It's just its own expressive alleyway is something that's helped me a lot with the anxiety that comes from being a creative and feeling like I don't have an outlet anymore that isn't business-based, that isn't work or corporate somewhat facing, you know? So I think, I mean, other, other, other creators, other directors I know have different processes. Some guys love drawing, you know, I'm horrible at drawing, horrible at drawing. So I would just stress me out a lot, but some guys are like, I love drawing storyboards for my things because, you know, then I know I can see it in my mind and it, it makes me excited about it. And I feel the same about music. I love playing music to something I'm writing or writing something, a piece of music for something I'm going to write because it makes me visualize it more viscerally and experience it more. And that for me is, is the really fun, the, an additional fun part. So that's why music for me is like the perfect balance, working in music videos, doing that, because I get to express that part of myself very fully with a lot of trust in my collaborators. And it, all of it feeds into, like we are saying, it's all, it's all about what feeds into what, what, what the purpose of what things are. And, you know, sometimes I'll just make a piano song, you know, song just because 
I can, you know, just because I want to. And a lot of the times I'll be inspired by something that I write on like a piano or, or on a guitar to make something specifically. I'm like, wow, this feels like somebody just, you know, you know, you just found out from that, oh, you just found out that somebody just died in your family, you know, boom, scene, start writing and you know, and so it's like this backwards, forwards, integrated, like, like process that I really enjoy. I think is one of my favorite parts of, of, of being a storyteller is being involved in how the world can be created with music. It's crazy how you can take visuals and just change the music on it, on it. And it will completely change your perspective of that visual. So that music, exactly. it really connects mm. with the soul of a person and how you feel. And I think that's for me as well. Like, uh, like music is an essential part, but I see we're running out of time here. So we've spoken a lot about the past. You've spoken a lot about the present. I want us to touch a little bit on the future. Mm. What is your perspective in terms of like the future of the creative space? Because a lot of the buzz right now is around AI, this new technology that's become available. Like you mentioned earlier, have technology, we have devices that have enabled us to capture things that people couldn't even imagine of 10, 15, 20 years ago. Now it's available in our pockets in the form mm. of a smartphone. Things are becoming so much more accessible. The domain that we operate in is evolving because of how people can now create with very little technical knowledge. Mm. What is your perspective in terms of the future of the creative space? What happens when in a world, what, what, what is a world where everyone can create a movie look like to you? <laughs> What is your perspective yeah, so, of the digital econ economy and creativity? I mean, I don't, I think, I think with all of these things, I, I'm, I'm one of the creatives that's not afraid of like losing their job or my job becoming obsolete. If anything, the corporates should be on edge right now. I'll lie to you because I can make that AI do my accounting. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Love, love all the accountants. Um, but, um, I truly think just like, even in something like accounting that what it does, it just hires, it increases the level that everyone who has the access to it should be operating on now. Right. So if everyone can make a movie, the good movies are the ones where the writing, the visuals, the sound, the music, every element of it has come together perfectly to create this unique experience. That's what it's going to be like. Like, I mean, everyone was afraid that, you know, I'm sure when typewriters became easily accessible, when computers became easily accessible, writers, story writers were like, everyone can be a writer right now. So, so I'm, uh, you know, but the reality is that just because you can doesn't make it mean that you can operate at the highest level and also doesn't mean that you want to, you know, because everyone can make a movie now doesn't mean that everyone is passionate about doing it because it's not an easy feat. The easier the process becomes, the more people who can do it, but the easier the people who want to do it can do it as well. You know, it's not this thing of like, oh, no, you know, this thing is going to, I'm going to lose my job because this program can edit and chop this, this thing for me. Oh, no, bro, there's After Effects, blah, blah. Hey, there's, there's levels to be achieved here. So I honestly think it's, it's, it's a means that, isn't, that should encourage us 
to use these tools to step up our own processes. Knowing that instead of sending, spending six hours editing, I can have a rough cut done by an AI in 30 minutes and I spend four hours making it with all of these design elements that only I could affect, that only I could create myself. There will be a world where the basic you know, stock approaches to things will be easy to do with AI and that's fine. That just means that the entry level for it just becomes even higher. You know, you can't just be an editor. You need to be some kind of visual designer or some, someone with some kind of interesting aesthetic that, that you bring to it. Um, you know, like writing, like AIs could write scripts now. And I'm like, that's cool. It's combining different conventions. They could probably write a good script, but can, do you understand the subtext of a person in South Africa, you know, walking down the streets? Do you understand what that means to be, you know, a young, a young man walking through Kailich? you know, or to be a woman walking in Joburg CBD. And AI can't necessarily express that or experience that. And there's innate feelings that the human experience, for now, AI, I'm sure, will get to a point when we come with consciousness, what, 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 what. can't speak of that. But for now, there's an element of emotionality and an element of your own process that I think is what makes the artists, great artists of our time, that the stories they tell are unique and impact the the landscape of filmmaking. That's something I'm very passionate about in my own sense of not falling into this trap of making a sort of conventional sort of in the box idea, but working around that and building it to be something that I, Abongwe El Boy, would watch. That's the most important thing. And I think embracing technology and its advances is what's gonna make things, I think, a lot better. Like, um, for me, I, for example, as someone who struggles to draw I've or, or to animate things graphically, whatever, it's not my world, but I have a good design eye, I just can't make it like that. Something like Midjourney has changed my whole process as a, as a, of a filmmaker in pitching because, because I know how to use my words, because I can express what I want now. What I do is I write a prompt that fits in all of the, the, the world that I need and it makes it for me. And so now you have this, this tool that can put together pieces that you couldn't make yourself that you have to put together to make the artwork, right? And being able to do that has saved probably thousands and thousands in probably effort and design. If I wanted to do what I did now, what I do on mid-journey or on anything, it would have cost me a lot of money. So it's embracing the technology. It's embracing the fact that soon enough, we'll have cameras in our pockets that shoot cinema grade. We basically do now, but optically, lens-wise, we'll have things that can shoot movies. And the question becomes, how are you going to use these optimized tools to tell your story in the way that you wanted to? You know, I don't think that the goals changed. I just think the goalposts have shifted. That's the way that I see it. And I think embracing it rather than being afraid and being, being, you know, deterrent of it is how you stay ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. And just to bring it back to the conversation of Africa, like it's creating opportunities. So like, mm. and it's so crazy how opportunity, like, because we live in Africa, we often aren't considered a lot because a lot of this tech is coming from the West and yeah. a lot of the conversation is had about the West. Mm. Africa is often overlooked. And a lot of people will see that as a thing that hinders us. But I think it's actually our superpower because, because of the fact that all of the data that has, these AIs have been trained on comes from the West. There's a whole hidden world of Africa that exists that can yeah. be tapped into 
And if you look at how most people are going to use it, like you said, if you're going to use it for the generic, write me a script about X, Y, and Z, instead of giving it the nuance, giving it something different, what's going to happen is a lot of people are going to populate the online space and the digital space with content that's quite generic, right? Generic that's based off of this data from the West. That is where our superpower and our secret source comes from, because yeah. if we're going to use this technology and tie it in with the context of Africa that hasn't been documented and there's not much data on, if we're going to create our own data and feed it into mm. these algorithms, people are going to be searching for something that's different. And where are they mm. going to find it? They're going to find it from African creators. They're going to find it from African producers, African musicians, African businesses, whatever it may be. Mm. And that for so exciting because there's a huge yep. opportunity that lies there. But I think there's also with the opportunity comes sort of a responsibility for people who are at the forefront of this stuff to be able to disseminate this information and make people aware of this opportunity. And that's why we do this podcast. We, we do that to communicate that to people. Mm -hmm. um, and through that, combining it with certain like topics that we've covered combining that with social capital, combining that with providing opportunities, combining that with, um, with collaboration over competition, mm. combining that with spreading resources amongst ourselves. That is how we make impact. And mm. yeah, I think that's where we can end today. Abo, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and to chat to this community that we're building. It's been an absolute yeah. pleasure. And thank you. yeah, is anything that you want to just plug or you want to mention before we wrap up? I mean, I mean, my social media is, I guess, at Abo Boy. Um, you can check me out on anything like there. But yeah, thank you to you, bro. This, what we're trying to build, although our parallels, you know, the same world in different, in different angles and having conversations with you about this um, is inspiring in itself. You know, the, your perspective and your approach. And I think it's so important that us as creatives, we have these conversations with other creatives. Um, if anyone has any questions, my DMs are always open. I'm an open book. And I that's something I encourage a lot because um, there's no need to gatekeep anything. There's no need to, like, gatekeep any information. I'll send you a link to a YouTube video if you if you really don't know or if I really don't know. Um, but I think it's it's so important to have conversations like this and have conversations with other creatives because... The reality, like you've said, is that we are a, dorm a, a dormant volcano as Africa. We have all of this resource, all of this energy, all of this stuff that's just waiting. And, you know, we've been, you know, repressed for a long time and overlooked for, for a while. But I feel like we're in this age right now when the volcano is erupting. And if we work together as young creatives who are not trying to gatekeep, who are not trying to, you know, let the politics ruin our experience or the limitations that we have stop us from doing anything. We'll be there. We'll just all over everyone. And I think, you know, I think um, yeah. these conversations are a big part <laughs> Schleaming over everyone. These conversations are a big part of that. And so thank you for having me. Thank you for, for, for your time and your efforts. And I love you. I love you too, bro. <laughs> once again thank you so much for joining us on this episode my hope is that we have illuminated what is possible for you my hope is that we've inspired you 
to start your journey of elevating Africa in the global space. It is possible. At the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned the African wave. This is it. We are creating a platform for the elevation of Africa in the global space. If you want to join this wave, but you're not too sure where to start, I'd like to encourage you to find out more about the Creator community. Our community is founded on three pillars, coaching, connecting, and culture. Through these pillars, we hope to create a point of convergence for future leaders of Africa. If you are a leader and you want to be a part of this movement, please visit our website. You'll find courses of finding your online voice and see when our next networking event is coming up. We're excited for you to join our journey in connecting Africa to the digital economy. But until then, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for watching and bye.